Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, well, I was going to write an intro for him, but I cancelled it at the last minute due to inclement weather. What can you do? Dr. Luke Gledall, how are you doing today, Luke? That's good. I mean, that's pretty apt considering, you know, I'm living in the midst of a polar vortex um, coming down from uh, coming down from to north. And, And what a Great week to bring it in to talk to you there in the UK, where I can just generally proclaim that uh, the weather in the UK is, is so mild <laughs> in comparison, and we're calling off games. So I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I remember, Rich? is polar vortex a car or is it one of the vaccines? Uh, it's both. <laughs> oh, nice. It's a vaccine delivered by a car. You have to get run over, but it, you, you're free of COVID afterwards. Driven by a polar bear. They were, they, because of the big nose, though, they're constantly pressing the horn. It's really quite antisocial, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> He's also a bit drunk off Coca-Cola as well. You know, uh, it's just a big thematic disaster. They get the good stuff up there in the uh, North Pole, don't they? With the with the cocaine in still. Mm. I mean, it it comes with a success rate, which is probably about eighty percent, which sounds low. But the problem is, the rest of twenty percent of the time, they usually just run you over in the uh, vortex. So. Well, it's a small needle in a big, big car. It's uh, <laughs> it's a difficult job, and really not one that should be trusted to a polar bear. Not one of the famous driving animals. You could say it's a needle in a hatchback. <laughs> Turtle power. <laughs> <laughs> so while Rich and I just completely hemorrhage with references to something completely out of control, should we uh, should we get started on this week's podcast, Rich? Oh, okay. Fair enough. Breaking hoo-hoos. I mean, let's be honest. Breaking hoo-hoos is all we have this week. But uh, mm. we will. We are going to do the best that we can to to make a silk purse out of this particular sow's ear. First off, <laughs> let's have some flagrant speculation about the takeover talk. Mm. We had this. Sky Sources story midweek that aforementioned advisor Eric Alonso had made a made a bid for the club, which had been turned down. It was sort of poo-pooed by the local press, wasn't it? Or or kind of or they sort of said it's not you know the, the, that Sky had sort of got the wrong end of the stick a little bit. But what do you make of this? What, what <laughs> the latest development in a very odd season boardroom wise? What what what's what do you think about the uh, this latest? Why does it have the same weight and same feel as an agent putting out kind of agent talk within the media, such mm. as, you know, we're we're in the potential race to sign free agent Deli Adebola? Why why does it have the same similar feel <laughs> of a oh, knacker yard yeah. mid-30s striker coming off a decent season 10 years ago, I think it was? <laughs> well, maybe in the same way, you know, uh, Chinsiri has said that he will he's willing to listen to offers and I I do think that there's been no time in living memory where Wednesday wouldn't entertain the potential of signing some as you say Knackers Yard 30 something centre forward <laughs> we've 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 um we've played host to a great many of them during our time uh, often with very miserable results <sighs> the the 
the details are thin on the ground. We don't really know mm-hmm. the size of this. From what we know of Eric Alonso, it's very unlikely to be his own money. If this is, if there's any real elements to this, it's very unlikely to be his own money that's in, involved. So he's a he's sort of a frontman for other people that have money, or maybe a group of people that would provide the money. I think people are a lot of people are so sort of fed up with the situation at the club as it is, and we we have stared into the dark abyss of what what might be. Uh, for Sheffield Wednesday going forward, that the idea of somebody else taking over and maybe throwing some money at it, as uh, Uncle Dave used to talk about, (laughs) there's almost a desperation for anybody and anything, any change being seen as a positive one. So there's there's Mm. criticism of Chancery for turning down this offer that he may may, may or may not have got for some money or no money from a man or a group of people. (laughs) <laughs> but such is the uh, such is the lovely atmosphere that's built up around the club and its various dealings. Some people are just willing to dive all in uh, with the very very tiny threads of information that we have. Also, what what is it, Rich, about a consortium that's such a trigger word for us Wednesdayites? Like it's it seemingly never kind of works out to the fact that, especially also we can remember kind of such a previous chancer, such as Jeff Sheard. Mm. I, I I remember one game where I went with my old work colleague, Paul, and we sat in the, we sat in the South. And I distinctly remember around the time of Jeff Sheard and Jeff Sheard being in the director's box. And um, <laughs> my old work colleague, Paul, <laughs> giving a thumbs up to Jeff Sheard and, and miming to him, get it done. <laughs> Which merely isn't as embarrassing, which is maybe almost maybe as embarrassing as what I said to Clinton Morrison <laughs> at the time when we met him. <laughs> One day we might mention on the podcast, but I might just try and go to my grave, just uh, just kind of leaving that as one of the one of the dirty, done. D- dirty little secrets of my life. <laughs> so <laughs> Jeff Sheard, a man who made money through selling sock accessories. You know, this is obviously not the guy with the money, but somehow seemingly I'd forgotten that wonderful detail. Was it were they called soccer tabs? <laughs> soccer <like> ties. <laughs> soccer ties. No, I do love I do love you saying soccer tabs, which could almost be because <laughs> I love also calling soccer ties because it's a sock accessory. Yes. Like you would never ever know oh, yeah. think you need accessories for your socks. Could you imagine going to soccer tabs could be a way of just concealing cigarettes. That's what I was thinking. Keep my keep my tabs in my socks. My soccer tabs. The next the next um the next big <laughs> thing in sort of greaser technology after the uh the rolled up white t-shirt sleeve is um <laughs> it's stuffing them in your socks. <laughs> oh, which also reminds me of uh Luke and I first met actually attending a a boutique indie music festival called All Tomorrow's Parties. And uh, one of the benefits for soft lads, as me and Luke, I, I would think, would uh, would gladly sign up to the moniker of, there was no camping involved. So it happened in a Butlins or a Pontins. They were pretty agnostic when it came to the, the brand of holiday park that you were in. Which, uh, which holiday pronouns they identified by? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Careful, Gina. Um, they 
but the the downside so the upside was you actually got a, a i thought it was worth you got a bed um and you got a shower and things like that which was quite civilized um for festival going but the the downside was that they policed they wanted you to buy your beer from their own uh, outlets and didn't want you to bring in your own beer <laughs> so there was a challenge of sneaking as much beer as possible into the the pavilion i think a friend of ours got up to 13 but it was kind of <laughs> so this is a beer in your hood a beer in your pocket maybe you kind of tuck a tuck a jumper in and you get one in around your kind of waistband perhaps it was still borderline acceptable to wear cargo pants so you might utilize some of those extra pockets on your trousers um, and the final the living end of this all being sock beer so cans of beer that you carried in in your sock and walked the whatever it would be 500 yards or so from the chalet to the to the pavilion and by the time you got in your already warm to start with beer was really not in a very pleasant state and I, th- I think Luke does have a picture of me drinking a drinking a sock beer but <laughs> By a, by a pushy machine in, in the arcade. And um, the level of delight is really written all over my, my slightly sweaty face. It, it was a very unpleasant thing, drinking warm carling that's, um, that's rumbled around in your, in your sock for 10, 15 minutes. I, so most of the pictures were like a touch sweaty of all of us, but Rich has is, Rich is made all the sweatier for the picture of him. Having a having a sweaty beer, sweaty man. Oh, sweaty beer out of a sweaty sock. In a sweaty sweaty um, holiday, a sweaty holiday park. Yes. Sorry for the diversion, but it was it was a very it was a fun memory. Yeah. As is the as is the fake over of Jeff Sheard, and definitely I think this is the best fake over since Jeff Sheard. I think that's fair to say. I think it's good. I think maybe we have to look at some of the the comedy behind this, and also um, Club Nine Sports. And by the way, folks, I didn't say Cloud Nine Sports, which would be a fun and enjoyable uh, ragtag <laughs> bunch of superstore workers who got together. Uh, superstores, NBC Thursdays, eight thirty Eastern. Or maybe just uh, maybe just this week, just binge watch all of it like I'm doing. Top stuff, top comedy. It is excellent. Yes, it's a great Highly show. Recommend. But anyway, Club Nine Sports, I believe they were called. They were another American one, though they actually seem to have they seem to have a bit of chops to them. But again, all of these consortiums are all like. Is that because they made a PDF that you think they had chops? I think was it Lee Strafford said they came over and asked about how good were the women's toilets. That's why they had some. <laughs> And Lee Strafford was like, "Oh, no one's ever asked that. They must be. They must be. They must be big noise. They're just perverts." <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, parody. Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> they were like, "Well, do you think they have enough space for us to install a series of cameras?" Oh, I'm imagining. Dear. I'm imagining this is how the meeting went. Yes. Yeah. But again, it, it consortium's like, "Well, oh my, my mate's uncle has a lot of money." You know, I I don't have the money, but I I know people. I think that's what you're supposed to. You're supposed to. It's supposed to conjure limitless resources because who knows? You know, the consortia is this conglomerate of uh, wonderful rich people. But generally what what it tends to feel like it means is nobody in charge Mm. and no direct route to the money. And yeah, kind of. Every, it feels like you're kind of being managed at arm's length. I think more often than not, if you're a club that's and, in that position. 
Exactly. And I mean, we love a singular character who is moneyed, who can put his name all over the stadium like he's some kind of tie, tie Donald Trump. We love that. We love that at Sheffield Wednesday. So yeah, consortiums now, owners who may be looking like from the outside, like it's a big ego trip for them. Yes, please. Mm-mm-mm. Well, I think we can understand. I think it's a more... <laughs> I, well, obviously, it has its downsides, and they are they are multivarious. But I think we can understand the driving thought behind it, and mm. like I, I think the model of being a rich man's plaything, <laughs> like like many sort of nineteen twenties Hollywood starlet, <laughs> we can see why that's happening. You know, it's a. It, they, we are an ego outlet, you know, we're an ego feeding device for somebody that's got too much cash and mm. gladly lap up all their lovely money and give them a chant or whatever. And, and it's sure. a kind of, it's a symbiotic relationship that we can get our heads around. It maybe doesn't feel, <laughs> morally it's maybe questionable, but, right. but on the face of it, it's like, okay, I get it. This person's got too much cash and we will mm. gladly receive some of the... Uh, overspill of their of their their swimming pool full of pennies that they they swim in like Scrooge McDuck mm-hmm. so that's fine but a, a sort of consortium is is more shady you feel like it's probably a business interest thing so we're putting money in to make money that's a more difficult thing to do in football particularly outside of the Premier League it all just feels less it's harder to get our head around I think I think that's the thing mm-hmm. models of ownership although both flawed in their nature. One of them, you can go, oh yeah, I get that. And for most Wednesday fans, you know, a kind of pie in the sky if I won the Euro millions or whatever might well be, you know, if I've got 150 million pounds, I might own Wednesday for a while. It's not going to be, I might invest in a faceless conglomerate of business people that owns Sheffield Wednesday or owns part of Sheffield Wednesday. That's slightly less exciting and uh, straightforward. I mean, I could probably, I actually have had many dreams of doing the same, as I think a lot of Wednesday fans do. And then I often wonder, because I'm a man who doesn't really have any money, and, you know, (laughs) I'd be very nouveau riche, but I'd probably be nouveau riche to the point that I don't quite understand how much money I have, and I'd be like, can I just live in the stadium? (laughs) And some some of the excellent staff would probably be like, no, Luke, that's really unprofessional and not a thing we can do. We can't turn Dooley's into a crash pad for you. Well, now I know how to be taken seriously if you're uh, if you're starting those negotiations. What about the ladies' toilets? <laughs> oh, I see. Connoisseur. <laughs> this, is, this is not the first bourbon biscuit that you've borrowed from a football team, I see. <laughs> well, I mean, we've, we've had some weird run-ins, actually, in our time, because... There was, I'm blanking a little bit on the name, but it, was it Greg was the guy that we had Dave Allen banked? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. James Greg. So that was a kind of fake over of sorts. You know, there was all in the news <laughs> that he'd made this offer. <laughs> and... Is that the real James Greg? Or was that, are you thinking, is, that sounds like some local sports journalist. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> Paul Greg, was it? I don't know. Anyway, Greg. Anyway, Mr. Greg. Greg. Mr. Greg. Greg's the man. Greg's the man. Mm-hmm. And then we had the... Don't know him. Never heard of him. <laughs> Press conference. Brilliant. We, we, uh, so, and then we had, I guess, Cloud9 were next. No, not Cloud9. 
Club Nine. Club Nine Sports. <laughs> Club Nine Sports. Um, the um, they were run by the high-pitched guy who used to be in Kids of the Hall. <laughs> there we go. I wonder what your toilet facilities look like. <laughs> Particularly the ladies. <laughs> Exactly. It's just getting so inside on on the superstar, which is a show that nobody watches. <laughs> Despite it being very good, nobody watches superstar. Exactly. But that's Thank that's our that's our podcast, Rich. People. That's our podcast, let's be honest. <laughs> um then and then we had uh, we had Jeff Sheard, mm-hmm. and then obviously we had um Land of Fire. Azerbaijan, we were taken over by the nation of Azerbaijan, if you remember. For a, yeah, for a... and a chap who could drink a whole bottle of wine in a massive glass. That was it, wasn't it? <laughs> I remember that detail, but it is a lovely touch. People pick up on these things, right? It's like, you know, Eric Alonso selling PPE on LinkedIn. Yeah, we've, we've attracted a fair amount of chances, it's got to be said. So... Uh, the other thing I don't know in this situation, and I, I have some sympathy for people that have just knee-jerk immediately gone, anything would be better than this, and therefore mm. any route out is good. Because, well, who who knows what the future looks like? But I also don't know that it's as simple as if somebody comes in, you start with a new slate. I don't think that's how it works with the EFL. I don't. I, I. It would be interesting to know what the kind of money situation would need to be if you to kind of pay off Chancery and what he feels. Yeah, he's owed for the club. Well, that's. I mean, that's the interesting thing is obviously this is it, it's much like anything that's seemingly priceless. The value of it is what somebody will pay for it. Yeah. But then the problem is right now people are being like, well, in Wednesday's position, nobody should be turning down an offer of around thirty, circa thirty million pounds. But then. Clearly, it has a value to Mr. Chancery. I mean, legitimately, he could look at he could be looking at it, and I know this is it's a bit wrong-headed. It's not really how business works, but he paid something in the region of thirty million for the club, didn't he? That's what mm. was sort of widely reported at the time. So to kind of clear the debts and and buy the the full shares in the club, hey, he he paid something in the region of 30 to 35 million. He's since we've lost money every year since he came in. Yeah. Which may well add up to more than double that on its own. So he possibly is looking at things and going, well, I've put, I've put 90 million pounds in. That's what I want to be paid for the club. And that's just not going to happen. So it, it is a case of what does his, I suppose with the other thing, sorry, with Chen Siri, we've got the, the worst of both worlds in that he is the the one man chairman name emblazoned on the shirt and the and the stands but also we're not quite sure where his money actually comes from because he personally is not rich enough to have made the investment so he has money coming from somewhere so it it may be a case of actually it's not a decision that Dep John Chancery makes it's somebody else uh sharing that surname <laughs> might decide that actually you know is this enough is enough um you've, you've you've you know high time you've spent enough on these beanie babies and now now you need to stop you need to find a, a new hobby that costs me less money every year yeah sort of uh, it gives a weird hope to, to have a have somebody potentially or make an offer or potentially make an offer for the club um it i think 
Shantiri has said several times people are interested, but it's it's maybe nice to at least have it vaguely confirmed, although we don't know many of the details, because it, it increasingly feels like the only route out of a, a spiralling situation is uh-huh. is somebody coming in and injecting some cash, as they say. Anything else on the takeover talk, or should we should we wander along to an, a new topic? Let's wander us along to being Ooh. home, playing home to to Wickham. Yeah, let's do that then. Uh, I was I was wondering whether we should just mention the fact that obviously the main focus today is going to be the Wickham game because uh, we're not playing Swansea this weekend, called off because of snur. But that it also naturally kind of comes in at the end of the game because the weather just got worse and worse as that match came on and it was almost um, a precursor to the fact that that, that this weekend was going to be cancelled was just how snowy and how quickly it came down um, towards the end of the the Wickham game. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's do this. We had a chance for a bit of revenge because I think probably no, in a a season full of defeats, no defeat uh, has, has hurt quite as much as losing to to Wickham Wanderers earlier in the season. So we had a chance to sort of correct the record a little bit there. We made a fair few changes to the to the team. Well, not, well, not that many changes, but um, significant ones. So, And, and mm-hmm. I think the main telling one was that Hutch moved into midfield. So having been part of the back three in defence yeah, the last that, couple of games, he moved. That moved line-up back. against Wickham really scared me. I was, I was disappointed that Kachunga missed out. I... Really wanted to see more of that partnership kind of beginning to develop between Kachunga and Patterson. Yeah. But that was decided that he'd be dropped for Rhodes, which at the time I was like, I don't know. Mm. And you said it in that voice as well. A little bit. Yeah. I was disappointed that Palmer and Penny missed out as well. Yeah. You know, that phrase that I hope the baby doesn't go out with the bathwater here. Well, that's we did. That's sort of the last thing we ended up talking about, wasn't it? That in the last game was this is an opportunity to make a few tweaks and changes. But we took, yeah, we took those opportunities. We grasped them with both hands, really. Mm. Handing starts to to Harris and and Reach was at left wing back, so it's quite a bit of a change for him. And yeah. uh, Shoei came in in midfield. Thankfully, sort of playing that more that role that seems best suited to him, I think is is the the most attacking one in that midfield three. I don't really like him defensively uh, in that three. Although weirdly, he is a centre-back by by reputation and trade. Um, but yeah, Rhodes, Rhodes starting up top, which is a, it's a rare, a rare occurrence. Mm-hmm. And usually what we find with Rhodes is that doesn't lead to, they are bad roads. Yeah. They are, they are very black country new roads, which are bad roads. As Rich and I detest that band. Washkid Halfway. Yeah, it's um I think it, you're right. I mean it, it normally it is cause for it's cause for a little bit of a kind of sinking of expectations because it doesn't normally amount to much. I also think to be fair to John Rhodes, we, how many times he's been paired up with an attacking partner is is probably a fairly slim number of times, and particularly yeah. an attacking partner that is as strangely gifted as uh, one Callum Patterson is so it was a bit of a different day for him and um, I don't know what did you I, I, I suppose it's worth now's as good a time as any what did you make of of uh, Rhodes during the, the game he played sort of fully 82 minutes of it yeah I thought he was largely all right but I thought we you know we obviously made some tweaks to kind of get more of a lot more value out of Jordan Rhodes mm. in the game 
it seems to play a bit more to his advantages and some yeah. of the rare gifts that we've seen from Jordan Rhodes, who's previously a very excellent player, but is going off the boil and we're getting less we're getting less rose juice out of him these days. I wonder how much it was to do with it. <clears throat> you know, normally he maybe overly simplistically, we, we think of sort of front uh, partnerships up front as being variants on big man, little man. You know, one guy is going yeah. trying to win the header and one guy is playing in behind. And I sort of feel like what benefited Jordan Rhodes today was, oh, not today. It's a long way off. Sorry, that's a force of habit. Uh, <laughs> mid, <laughs> midweek, what, what, what seemed to benefit Jordan Rhodes was almost... <laughs> and I don't, so it makes me wonder how sustainable this is long term. But they almost sort of played the played one big man role between them, so we weren't asking him to run in behind, right? But that's also kind of the qualities of Jordan Rhodes that he's never really a he's he's a bit of everything. So he's kind of a bit of he's he's never particularly one of those roles, is it? Yeah. So he ended up being like an, an another an additive on top of what Patterson was doing, and mm-hmm. that seemed to be quite effective and efficient in most ways. And it, it might be interesting to see how it does against a team that is not as as sort of lowly and um, generally in, in in poor form as as Wickham, although they, they did pick up a win this weekend. Whether we try it against any other team is another matter, I suppose. Mm. But it was it was intriguing to see how it worked because I. I think Jordan Rhodes, I don't know why I constantly refer to him by his full name. I'll, I'll stop, I promise. But he was doing lots. He wasn't just doing like leading the line things, which I think he's tended to do before. He's kind of played a limited role of simply stretching the defence and keeping the defence honest with just being a body, uh, which he's intelligent and tactically disciplined enough to do. But he was getting involved. He was sort of stepping back and applying pressure defensively occasionally when he needed to. He was he was holding the ball up sometimes. He was moving the ball on effectively when uh, other times he needed to. And then, you know, he he popped up. He was Johnny on the spot to 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 grab the all important first goal as well. So, as I say, uh, it we are in a way we are still carrying him. Mm. But this feels like a <laughs> a better way. Like, you know, I don't know what the analogy is here, but maybe we've got like a little shopping trolley or something that we're pushing him around in. It's just a more efficient way to keep, to keep, to carry him. And we get the good bits, you know, he can read a map. He could look out for potholes. Uh... <laughs> Am I stretching this too far? A Rhodes granny shopping trolley. One of those things. <laughs> yeah. We just took him up in a little basket. Like, like a baby like, Yoda sat Like in. he, like he's ET. I was going to say. Yes. Geordie phone home. (laughs) (laughs) But let's, so let's, let's sort of, we've got the benefit of this was a good performance. We get to sink our teeth into it a little bit more Mm -hmm. than we normally do Mm -hmm. in games. But let's, let's enjoy the opportunity that's presented to us. Um, We started really, really well, I think, by and large. I think so. Yeah. We still had the feeling of, I, I think when it wasn't working, I felt like we kind of wanted it a bit too hard. You could Maybe, tell yeah, that there was idea. very much that desire there, which is good, but it it kind of felt, I don't know. I think I've seen this before, like the mentality from Wednesday that 
hey, we, we want you to know that we're really trying to attack. We're really trying to do something in this game. I think it's still a, it's a bit more, it is a little bit different. It's a touch more kind of cultured under Thompson, I want to say. So mm. I think it has more situations where it's more effective. It doesn't feel as belabored as it does under Gary Monk, Monk's time. No. It felt like a really, really, really strong over-labored emphasis on we are trying to score, we are trying to attack under kind of Gary Monk. Yeah. And also I think it's interesting because to kind of look and to think about one of our kind of star performance of recent games has been this kind of a slightly renewed, slightly kind of tweaked Kadeem Harris. Yeah. Uh, Kadeem Harris, who provided another assist. And again, it's it's that unique thing of him trying that kind of first early cross as opposed to situations previously where he would do a lot of step overs and spend a lot of time to get it down to the line and do, as I think you put it brilliantly on last week's podcast, that sandwich chip across yes. for whoever the striker is. And so this was, it looked, the goal for, for Rhodes looked so basic and looked so simple, which I think is some of its beauty. I think it seemingly looks a yeah. bit effortless. Yeah. Including, like, I think a really, really good cushioned header from Jordan Rhodes himself. Um, but that is a really, lovely. really great early kind of cross. Very simple. There feels a degree of, like, we're not overthinking things when we're getting forward, which I think was very much the standard under Gary Monk. Yes, and I think that wouldn't have been helped by Tony Pulis's short time in charge of the club because he had no faith in anyone. So if you've got one manager that's mm. insisting on overthinking and doing the thinking for you, and you follow that up with a manager that doesn't have any faith in you whatsoever, that's a pretty bad combination. And I think there has to be a lot of praise for... For Thompson and Bullen and also the players themselves for, for picking themselves up from that situation because that must have been mentally quite a, a sort of roller coaster ride to go through. And I almost think that regardless of whether the man management from Tony Pulis was better behind closed doors, because what he was saying in public was, and frankly, it was shocking. I, I mean, I, I've never, I've never really heard a manager just so gleefully hurl his players under the bus yeah. as, uh, as Tony yeah. Pulis did. It was reckless. It really, really was. I don't I don't know what the game plan was, whether it was a, a wider thing to put pressure on. Well, I, I thought the interesting thing about Pulis... Was was to make transport. The thing I thought would be, would be a breath of fresh air, especially on the, that kind of mentality of attacking felt very overwrought and belaboured under Gary Monk. Mm. I thought the mentality that we seem to get through from Pulis himself or, you know, his ethos that he was broadcasting to us as part of his PR, you know, through through conferences and stuff, was that really yeah. it kind of just tries to make it as simple as possible for the attacking players. Yeah. You know, as part of part of the counterattack after you've established such a shape. But I, I don't know whether... Did that? Did you think that kind of under when we played under Pulis? Do you think there was maybe still a bit too much of a an ethos? Do you reckon that was the ethos, or do you reckon like there was maybe a bit too much focus on trying to keep a shape even when getting forward? Or do you think that I think to kind of back up your point here, Rich, like 
that had a real negative to do with uh, to do with the man management in total. I don't know because I, I mean I, I must confess I haven't spent a lot of time watching Tony Pulis teams play in the past. You know, it, it's mm. not been it's not the game that you look forward to on match of the day. <laughs> so <laughs> usually, I, usually the I, last game of match of the day as well, and that's the point where you just think, "I'll oh, just yes, yeah, let's go yeah. to bed." I'll be honest. <laughs> But I think there was a lot of like magical thinking from Gary Monk. I think we sort of had a plan for two thirds up the pitch, and then it was sort of hoping something special happened and sort of hoping something kind of yeah. It, it, more often than not, it was Harris. Somebody like Harris pulls a rabbit out of a hat, and we managed to score a goal. It didn't feel like we had. A, I don't know. It didn't feel like there was a clear idea of how it's like. Oh, this will get us here, and then how do we score? And I almost felt, I feel like whether this is this was just for us a special little treat for us with uh, Tony Pulis but um it just felt like he was wholly reliant on a piece of individual magic because there was nothing mm. uh, there was just no thought given to the process that gets you to scoring and yes. i think what happened yeah. you know the, to, 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 um, the game against Wickham was a lovely example of i mean it was obvious for, so the lineup is you've got two wingers playing wing back and the game plan is get the ball to those wingers and they'll put the ball in. There were so many crosses from reach, so many crosses from Harris. They were generally good early crosses. It's the sort of thing that Jordan Rhodes likes the sort of thing we've, we've been getting told for four years. If we do that, he will score goals. And to be fair, he did grab a goal. I don't know how that the, there were hugely he I don't know they had sort of many chances outside of that the one that he took but it just it's just nice to there's an identity to that there's a way to, that's a way to play we can't do it every week I think we've been down the route of drowning Harris in the ball um before so mm-hmm. many times and it's nice to see him as, as I say with this new lease of life it's also nice to see him suddenly crossing early uh, and and getting results from it, I hope it feeds into his play. We did have a moment where a classic Harris moment where he did take that extra time and that extra touch, and then boom, the ball thirty yards over the bar. Uh, so there's still there is still the old the old self looming. Um, mm. But in terms of this new year, new you for Harris, it's really a, it's a real real glow up sort of experience. I'm also glad he really got an assist because I, I felt me and you felt this on the 24th minute that I think he was fortunate that we he didn't concede a penalty. Oh, massively. We should, yeah, that is worth just worth talking about. <laughs> mm. There was a there was a gamble being played uh, with with uh, it, it feels I'm now wondering. Sorry, this is a I've got sort of three thoughts occurring simultaneously. So it reminded me of it was it was a break after a, our own set piece which we nearly got caught out with if you remember the penny incident last week we almost got caught out with the same thing the decision midweek that was baffling and more <laughs> worrying as time went on was that hutch was our last man at the at set pieces so not only are we taking away someone who is a potential threat from the set piece um, we've also got somebody who is a bit of a liability in terms of having a nibble and not the paciest in case they they make a break. And the first time they broke from from our corner, 
we were we were hugely hugely lucky to get away with uh, Harris fouling their man in the box and stopping him taking a shot because it was it was sort of knee high it was a really it was a bad tackle and it looked bad in in full speed and then when you see it in slow motion from the other side it's absolutely a penalty and a and I would think probably a red card but I, I know that there's the double jeopardy rule so he might have got away with just a yellow but yeah that was a big big let off and that was before we scored as well it would have that would have turned the game I think mm-hmm. we might have got lucky I, th- I think the linesmen were particularly bad or <laughs> <All> game. <laughs> there were some questionable decisions and the ref was not brilliant. And maybe the fact that they just couldn't keep up with play saved our saved our hides uh, this time, thankfully. <laughs> We've had questionable penalties given against us in the past, so maybe this was one to kind of remember when we're in that situation that we, we get the odd let off as well. But yeah, nice to see him make good on his... <laughs> on his reprieve because <laughs> he got his assist and almost got kind of a second assist for the second goal so he, when he cleverly bounced it off Cal, uh, Callum Patterson's shoulder to uh, to sell breach for the second goal <laughs> so I know you mentioned you had quite a few notes I, I've sort of run through my main notes for the the first half do you have anything else to touch on well <sighs> Let's just say I've got a lot of pithy notes, as per usual. Uh, Rich and I were enjoying the sight of uh, Akinfen were stacked like a pack of girthy hobnobs. <laughs> yes. You know, I was commenting that it looked like a 14-year-old who put on, like, 20 T-shirts for, like, trying to go for the, the Guinness World Record. <laughs> or, or or avoid a luggage charge on a, on a long-haul flight. Exactly. Do you think Gareth Ainsworth likes rock music? Oh, he might, Luke. He might. And, you know, you saw that from the jacket, the leather jacket, before the fact we saw that he had a GNR mask. Um, I commented Ainsworth looking to squeeze a Motorhead tribute band gig in afterwards, um, hoping to hot-foot it to the Doncaster Dome very quickly after the match. Managed, yeah, Wickham Wanderers managed by Saxondale. <laughs> I, it's weird. It... it... <laughs> I'm I'm someone who <laughs> I, I I do not tend to dress well most of the time. I will say, you know, like I I enjoy the fact that my um, my workplace is a place of relaxed workwear. But I I do I think there is a time and a place for 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 dressing differently. I think you have to dress to suit the occasion um, from time to time, and there is just something. There's something about Gareth Ainsworth on the touchline that brings out like the inner, I don't know whether it's a headmasterly part of me or a Tory part of me or something, but I just want to give him a shake and cut his hair and put a suit on him. I just, at least, I mean, you can wear a tracksuit. You can be pretty relaxed in your in what you wear on the touchline. You don't need to wear a suit. But there's just something about, it just feels a bit pathetic. Apologies to people that live a rock lifestyle and and maybe maybe they love Gareth Ainsworth. They want him to be England manager, but for me, I just oh, he just looks like a sad uncle. I can just imagine I think it's it. I think it's clear to say it's not to our taste and it's kind of rubbed both of us a little bit, right? I'm just imagining him at like the rock night. He's the oldest person there by about twenty years. He's leering at the young women. <laughs> Allegedly, allegedly parody, but yeah, I t- 
it's yeah, it rubbed us up the wrong way. I just, I think you have to be better than him to get away with being such a kind of standout person from what you wear. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Guardiola, I think Pep could get away with dressing like whatever because he's one of the most successful football managers that's ever lived. I think when you Gareth Ainsworth, who probably your life is going to peak, your managerial career and the, and probably your and most of your footballing career is going to peak with that time that you got Wick and Wanderers into the championship for an embarrassing season where you lost almost every every week. I just don't think you can pull it off, mate. <laughs> But then maybe that's Zach in Fenway as well, like a big noise in a really kind of tin pot way. Yeah, it <laughs> it it feels. I don't know. I don't want to kind of shame him for his. I feel a bit weird about this. I don't know. But it's just, <laughs> it's so strange and so odd. It's like local personality, isn't it? I don't know. There's just something kind of. It's very local papers. <laughs> it's. it's at the parade today, the local rock man turned up. Mm. I don't know, just something about it. I don't know. I don't know. Like you say, I, I do. It does make me feel a bit weird to sort of lay into it because you know, he seems fine, and mm. he's he's done a good job there. Uh, I just, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like a point worth making. It feels like he's making a point, and it's not a point I feel is particularly worth making. Uh, but there we go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There we, yeah, we've uh, we've introduced a strange atmosphere to things, but let's. Um... We have, we have. I mean, I I kind of wanted to say, kind of, I guess, looking looking outside of that, looking at the pithy, weird comments. I, I I also let's just finish this off. I really hated that away kit that Wickham had. <laughs> I I referred to it as piggy jesters. That's nice. And you particularly, Luke. I know this from our conversations during the match. That uh, goalkeeping jersey really had a profound effect on your on you and your your eyeballs. It was uh, it was very swizzle sticks, wasn't it? <laughs> Actually, I said to you in a text comment, I it said, was like a competition winner or something. <laughs> well, I said I, I imagined it was it's kind of like a sketch comedy sketch about how bad goalkeepers' jerseys are. It's it's really a parody. Off of nice, and I said, I'm imagining a sketch now, which is David James, David Seaman, and Steve Grizovich, are all going out, are all going out for a night out, and there's a joke that they're trying to really outdo each other with like their garish goalkeeper shirt that they're going to go out on the town with. <laughs> Good old David Seaman, he could pull it off, I reckon. Though it, it weirdly feels like all the things we're talking about is kind of a bit like. It feels like Wickham are trying to Wickham are trying to assemble kind of a bunch of characters and a bunch of kind of traits that they think are kind of recognised within football. You know, I don't know. They were well. One thing I noticed, particularly as the as the many subs started to happen in that second half, is they really, really have provided a, a sort of halfway house for Reading players about to be released from custody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Gareth Ainsworth, the kindly, kindly rocker that looks after these these waifs and strays from Reading, <laughs> uh, <laughs> treats each of them like his own. But yeah, just so many names that we used to play for Reading just pitching up, either starting or coming or coming off the bench. Really incredible. I know it's only just up the road, but um, 
just very yeah a retirement home for 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 ex reading players or or a kind of stop on the road to retirement home yeah i liked how you talked about it like it's a new housing estate on the motorway yes. like you know <laughs> if you if you played here you'd be in league 1 by now yes yes I think you said yeah life in the upper middle of the championship getting you down is it too competitive try life at wickham we're comfortably in league 1 <laughs> It's all important, equidistant from uh, from London. You know, probably has the same. You, you get the same sort of transport links that you know and love, but uh, but the expectations are so much lower. It's a great place to go if you are thirty something and are leaving Reading. <laughs> Sign up today for our free rail card offer. <laughs> so, I don't know. I feel like maybe I've just been incredibly disrespectful. I mean, it's a Wickham. It's but I, I, I thought it was funny because I sent you a message. I think it was BBC Sport at half time on their webpage. And I actually took a screen grab of this. Wickham have responded well since going a goal behind. I'm like, it's no, they were really <laughs> bad. They were really bad. There's no, you're trying to make a narrative here, but the narrative is just that Wickham are a very poor side. This will be, uh, yeah, the, 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 or what, when did we get? When did we get promoted? So was that 2015, 16? No, it was a couple of seasons before. But basically, like, this is as high as Wickham have ever been. And I I, I feel like there's been a kind of lovely holiday vibe to the whole approach to it from, mm. from the team and from any fans I've had any brushes with um, on social media. They're just kind of, you know, oh, it's nice. Nice little visit up to the... Championship. We'll be back down to yo-yoing between League One and League Two as soon as you know it. But let's just take in the side, mm. see a few new grounds. I don't bear them any ill. It's no good. I mean, good on you if you're a Wickham fan. It's uh, I'm sure it's a tough go round. But I think that that sort of it, it was nice to have this game. So we 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 got the second goal, which made things much more comfortable towards the end, which came off the back of a. It was sort of a corner that was headed back out to Harris, wasn't it? And then Harris um, ran around, took a shot, hit it against Patterson, and from that from that uh, rebound reach, looked like he was smashing it into the top right hand corner, and it ended up going into the bottom left hand corner and left the goalkeeper with absolutely no chance to, mm-hmm. to save it, mm-hmm. which was a huge sigh of relief, as you say. Wickham's recovery hadn't amounted to much, but it, it meant that whatever was whatever little shoots of recovery uh, were well and truly sort of trodden on and, um, the, you know, the ground was salted and and uh, a win was coming our way, which was which was nice. But it was a comfortable performance. It was the sort of performance we expected to see against them last yes. time round. Yeah. And nice to see us just do it and not hof, not huff and puff too much. We did, ha- they did have their moments. We did have, a, we did have the penalty that wasn't, that could have been. I, my, one of my highlights of the of the game was Tom Lee's on the overlap twice. I really liked that, seeing him feeling like confident enough to to burst forward and offer himself down the flank. But yeah, I mostly, I mean, mostly it's just got to be good things, hasn't it, from this game? Totally. I mean, that just going ahead and doing the task that you thought you did sometime as Fancliffs, but I think we just did it in a very professional way. We seem very assured. Yeah, it's it's there's nothing but positives about this, and yeah, the, 
big game, a big game, a big three points we needed. You know, we did briefly get ourselves out of the relegation zone. We're back in it now. But it's nice to just have those moments to just come up for air, basically, of just being submerged in this for I don't know how long now. This is probably the second time. Especially given the start of the season with our... Yeah, well, yeah, second time, especially given the start of the season with our points deduction at 12. Mm. Knowing that we are so close to kind of the the surface of the water in terms of that relegation battle, I think you need those little glimmers of hope, those little shards of daylight to keep keep pushing because I'm sure to an extent the players will feel like they've... Well, they're, they're right. <laughs> they've had a much more successful season or, or a marginally more successful season than the league table is telling them. You know, points deductions are the only area where the league table doesn't tell the whole story, but I guess we've got a an asterisk next to our name for that purpose. But we it's not a huge leap, but we're having a season that should put us in, in 16th place. And at the moment we're 22nd, 23rd with those same uh the same level of performance because of that points deduction. So to an extent, the players will be feeling like we should be almost a game or two from being comfortable in mid-table. Yes, uh, yeah. but we're we're obviously not. But it's it's getting closer. You know, there might be a bit of breathing room at some point if we can if we can continue to win the games we're supposed to. Uh, when you know, turn up when we're supposed to, and win the games when we're supposed to. And it was just nice to see Wednesday do it because so often we don't. It would have been much more typically Wednesday to lose to Wickham and then beat Swansea this weekend. So it's it's an odd feeling to have done the bit we were supposed to and then have the game called off to not know not know how we were going to end this this sort of this important week. Any other bits and pieces from the game, Luke? No, I think that's it. I mean, we were lucky. It has to be said. We, I think we were lucky that we were two 0 up when the weather started to really get bad. Yes, because it was yeah. very, very much the sort of game that could have got called off if 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 we'd kicked off at this more the sort of standard evening kickoff time of seven forty five. There's a very good chance we wouldn't have got to finish that game, and it would have been very, very frustrating. So I think I think we were lucky. We were probably within fifteen twenty minutes of not being able to finish the game and having it called off because of the the snow belting down, and it's it it's quite. It's sort of fun to see football played in that, but it's really rare nowadays. P- players do not play on white pitches anymore, so it's kind. Of, it is kind of fun to see it happen, <laughs> especially when you're winning two 0 That's the best time for it to happen. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> did you notice? Um, I, I just did on on a sort of rewatch. Did you notice who uh, Wiccan Wanderers have as their sponsor? Is it Cherry Red Records? Cherry Red Records, yeah. Mm-hmm. Label has released recordings by Dead Kennedys, Everything But The Girl, The Monochrome Set, and Felt, amongst others. Wow. They had Mark Alton on the, on the roster. Iconic, but more iconic than any of their kits. <laughs> apart from maybe their home one. Apart from maybe their home one, which is fine. But the, the, away, yeah. is, the away is a real eyesore. Susie Quattro, The Runaways... Yeah, well, it's a, I mean, it's fun to have a have a have a different sort of sponsor, isn't it? I'm guessing that's a kind of passion project from one of the owners of the of the <laughs> <laughs> of the record label. I can't mm-hmm. imagine they're getting a huge amount of uh, <laughs> business off the back of their Wicked Wonder sponsorship. 
Um, although there was a story, I think Stevenage was sponsored by Burger King because the Burger King, one of the Burger King sort of advertising teams figured that if they sponsored the worst team on FIFA, yes, lots of people would play as them. So they'd yeah. get loads of like impressions for what, you know, that's what they talk about in digital advertising. So they get loads of impressions because loads of people will pick them as the worst team on FIFA, the, or the worst English team on FIFA at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe that's what Cherry Red Records are doing. We'll we'll sponsor the worst team in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the plan ends, but you know, good on them. Mm-hmm. Do we want to? So it, normally we would we would pick a, a kind of star player or give some honourable mentions in this Let's, position. I think we should that? pick Harris, just because yeah. I think it's been it's been a really good good series of games, and I think he needs to be deserved and needs to be recognised. It's also nice to see somebody respond positively to some time off out away from the first team. Mm-hmm. He's not had to get up to speed. He's sort of returned at speed and got the bit between his teeth. You know, he wants to make that place in the side his own. That's a nice thing to see. Yeah, lovely. Very good work from uh, from Kadeem Harris. Nice to see him back. Nice to see him enjoying his football again because he looked like he looked like a man with the weight of the world on his shoulders. It has to be said for mm-hmm. a time. Well, there we go. That that that's different gravy. And yeah, we know the we know the the end of the week was was that we don't end up playing Swansea, and it's going to be interesting to see where we end up squeezing that game in because <laughs> the 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 games are coming thick and fast. Did you work out when the window was, Luke, for the next one? I think I initially saw that like mid-April was probably the soonest that we can play another game of football. But I know. I think it's mid-March. Yeah, there's an international. Well, there's one right at the end of at the end of March. That's the 27th. Right. Okay. But then, for some reason, I think the week um, that midweek after the between the sixth and the thirteenth, we don't seem to be playing another game. I'm not. I'm unsure as to why that's a date that's not going to work. Maybe Swansea have got a reschedule game for that time. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's it's going to be a while. But the games are still. Thick and fast. We got... Oh, we play Cardiff on the Monday. Is this? Oh, no, sorry. I'm looking at April. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Shuddy. Oh, yeah. Interesting. As you say, maybe maybe Swansea have got a game there. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it'll be intriguing to see where that that's gets squeezed in for us. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Swansea's, I think, a tough game. Regardless of when it when it fits in, it'd be nice if it fitted in nicely, you know, in a, in a good place for us uh, in terms of our our flow and our form. <laughs> I don't know when that might be when we've got a favourable run of fixtures, but um, it'd be good to have a sort of run up to that one, wouldn't it? Indeed, yeah. And this forthcoming week, we've got um, we're away at Stoke, and then home to Birmingham. So yeah. A big week. I think we could probably do quite well against Stoke. Stoke typically quite, but they seem to be in not particularly great form right now. So there might be an opportunity to capitalise. And then home to Birmingham is a game we really need to be taking three points from. Yeah, Stoke haven't won in six games and uh, Birmingham haven't won any of their last five and they've lost lost three of those last five. So uh, two teams in considerably poorer form than we are going into the game. So it would be nice if we could grasp the nettle and uh, see this as an opportunity to to add points rather than um, 
<laughs> backing in slowly and hoping for the best, which seems to have been approached through most of the season. Uh, this is an opportunity to to hopefully get some more points on the board, really. Mm-hmm. And then we do have a yeah, we've got we've got Brentford after that, so that it would be good to get the points before we wander into that one. Um, great. Well, there we go. I want to, to you know wish everyone a, a, a good week ahead, and same to you, Luke, and and say cheerio. Have a great week, everyone. Have a good one, Rich. See you. Bye.